Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. We've been traversing this text over and over for the last four weeks. And we're not quite finished with it yet. And you might say to yourself, I feel like I've heard this plenty. And I wouldn't blame you for that. I keep trying to come up with new ways to read it to you. But truthfully, we are spending so much time in this gospel and in this text specifically because Jesus tells us that even though we are saved by faith alone, that our faith is meant to bear fruit. And Christ is gracious enough to tell us precisely what that fruit should look like. It should look like us caring for the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the imprisoned. It should have tangible signs of God's grace in it. Because we don't just tell people, oh, bless you, or I'll pray for you and turn our backs. Instead, we use God's blessing and our ability to pray to meet their needs in our missions, in our ministries, in the name of Jesus Christ. We are not those who simply sit in an ivory tower and pray that God would do something. Instead, we who gather here in the house of God and pray discover that God is doing something. He sent us. And so we respond to the needs. And today is a very important need. Today is about sickness. And most people don't want to talk about sickness, and I don't blame you. I don't like being sick. I don't know. If anybody here actually likes being sick, that's a whole other level of sickness. But we get sick. We get sick and we recognize that people that we know and love get sick. And so we have opportunities to care for them, perhaps. But what about those who we don't fully know and we're not really that invested in and our relationship is not so profound that it would occur to us to help those who are sick? Well, one, I recognize that when someone is sick, there's an innate fear that arises, right? We don't want to get sick. We don't want to catch whatever it is that they have. It could be contagious. There's a chance that we could be out for the count, and most of us are very busy people. Who has time for that? But I have noticed in the course of my life and in my ministry that even when we know that we can't catch what is making someone sick, their bedside remains tragically vacant. So I am the daughter of a disabled man. My father had a catastrophic spinal injury when I was a young child. He is fused through multiple vertebrae, which means that he cannot bend over fully. He cannot run. There are days when he can barely walk. He has to have a cane. He wears an orthotic because his left leg is atrophied. And I remember watching, after multiple surgeries as a young child, watching the fact that my mother was working overtime just to take care of my father. And I remember that people didn't come, that people didn't venture in. And when they would see us at the grocery store or they would see us out in public, it was obvious to me who was six that they were afraid, that they were fearful of what they might see or what would happen. You're not going to catch a spinal injury. It's not like that. And yet, they were terrified of coming into the house and being there, being in the midst of someone who was clearly physically suffering, 
And it has been my experience that suffering doesn't limit itself just to our bodies or our minds or our hearts or our spirits, that they tend to overflow into one compartment and into the other, and that they transform all of our being into a mass of suffering. And so I watched this. I watched as people were afraid. And I understand, I mean, it's terrifying to see somebody up in traction, especially when it's your own father. It's terrifying to see the kind of pain that makes an adult cry out. It's terrifying to think that you can't do anything. What are you going to say? And sometimes Christ is telling us that you don't have to say anything. That your presence alone speaks volumes. I do believe, as the prophet Isaiah says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I just believe that sometimes we're called to be stilled at bedsides. I believe that sometimes we're called to be still right next to those who are on dialysis and those who are receiving chemotherapy. I believe that we are called to be still and know that God is God and testify to God's presence and glory quietly beside those who feel lost and alone in a wilderness of physical suffering. But I don't want you to think that I'm only talking about sick people in body. I'm talking about people who are sick, and I wasn't kidding when I told the kids that we are all sick. Every single human being is sick. If it is not our heads or our hearts or our bodies, it is most especially our spirits. That we are sinners. All fall glory all fall short of the glory of God. All of us sin. We will all make mistakes. And if anyone truly thinks that they would come here and tell me that they are unafraid to stand before the throne of God and account for themselves because they have done nothing wrong, I want to be there that day. Because Jesus knows. God is omniscient and God can see into the deepest recesses of our hearts. In this world, we always worry what someone will learn about us. Will they discover what I did? How many of you are grateful that you weren't around for the digital age in high school? Right? But everything that happens can now be known, right? Everything can be known. And so now we spend time just thinking, I hope it doesn't get out. I hope we can hide it. Let's bury those skeletons. Let's hide them in the closet. And yet Jesus knows every single skeleton. Jesus even knows the ones that we won't admit to ourselves. Jesus knows that we are sick, and yet he loves us even more. There is nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love of God. Not your sinfulness, not your sickness, not your mental state, not the state of your broken heart. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And our job as disciples of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is to preach that. Using words only when necessary. So often a ministry of presence is exactly what somebody needs. Just to know that they are not alone. Just to know That God is present in other people for them and with them. That is vital for some people to even make it through the day, much less be healed. And so God is sending us, sending these flawed, imperfect vessels who sin just as much as anybody else, sending us out because in our weakness, God's strength is shown. If we are able to go out and do things, if we are able to be present with those who are sick and suffering, if we are able to go forth and be a vessel of goodness and grace to somebody, it isn't because we are so awesome. 
it is because God is present in and through those moments of connectivity. And that is where we are called to be. Carry me out in the world. Go forth to all nations, said Jesus Christ. Bear me for the world, for I have borne all of your sins on the cross. And all Christ asks in return is that we would believe that that promise is true, not only for us, but for everyone, and tell them that. And so the church is called to care for everyone because all of us are sick. We're called to be in relationship with all people. And that's time-consuming, is it not? I mean, if you stopped and talked to everybody that you passed, even here in Crozet, much less New York City or L.A., it would take you all day to get anywhere. So what is the reasonable expectation? What is it that you want from us? I believe that God is calling us in the midst of our lives to look for those opportunities where someone's world collides into ours and we have the opportunity to be a means of grace for them. Now, I grew up with a mother who was a registered nurse and she spent her life traversing the many facets of the hospital from the emergency room on the night shift to the operating room to the surgical center for gastroenterology. You name it, my mother's probably dabbled in it, except pediatrics. She was never really a fan of the parents. You know how we get when our kid's sick. So that was never a thing. Likes the kids, the parents. So growing up in my house, you didn't want to get sick. Getting sick is bad enough. Having a discompassionate mother makes it worse. And my mother would say, I deal with sick people all day. I don't want to come home to sickness. So my mother's idea of taking care of me was to put a bucket or a trash can next to the bed and make sure I had hot fluids and off to work she went. I was like, this is not love. <laughs> this is not, I see what other people do. I hear about what other moms are like when kids are sick. That was never my mom. And then I would go out in public and I would encounter people that my mom had been a nurse for. And they would go on and on about how incredible my mother was. And she was so kind and compassionate. I'm like, wait, my mother? My mother. What are you talking about? My mother. And then sometimes I would get to see her interact with other people. And I was like, where is this for me? Where is it? What? And I thought I had it bad. My sister's almost 10 years younger. My sister got nothing. She didn't even get a bucket. It was hard because my mother was pouring herself out every day in her job in this ministry of medicine. And I had never really paid attention to that before I got into college, just how much there is ministry. Teachers, that's a ministry. There's plenty of ministry. And just because you're an auto mechanic, it doesn't mean that that can't be your ministry. Who we are and what we do with our daily lives is an opportunity for ministry. You don't all have to be a pastor. But you do have to open yourselves up to responding when God is nudging on your heart and focusing your mind on another human being, to be present with them, and then to go beyond that and say, what can I do for you? Christ continuously asks people through the scriptures, how can I serve you? What can I do for you? What do you want of me? He was showing us exactly how we should respond to those in need. I mean, now when Jesus walks up on a blind man, I think it's pretty apparent what the blind man wants. But he asks, what is it you want of me? What would you like for me to do for you? And when they say, I want to see, or I want to be healed, or I want to behold, Christ 
never says no. He always responds. And he has set the bar very high. And we know that we are not capable of doing exactly what Jesus Christ did. As individual Christians, not going to happen. But as the body of Christ, the world better watch out. For what we can do together, Christ foretold that together we would heal more people. Together, we would feed thousands and thousands more than he did. Together, our acts of generosity and compassion, those would way outstand his earthly miracles. The only reason that we can do all of these things is because he first did that. He has freed us from the limits of our physical form. He has freed us mental block that says, there's no way we're going to be able to do this. We shouldn't even try. He has liberated us from the fear of our hearts that say, we might fail really bad. He has liberated us from the dark sin of our spirituality that says, I can't do this. And Jesus, if I'm 100% honest with you, I'm not even sure that I want to. He has freed us from all of that. Because he knows that the stakes are very high. That there are people who are completely rejected. And they sit around in their lives dejected and alone and sick and suffering and hurting. And they cry out to God and they say, God, help me. And then we in our sphere of Christianity go, God, why aren't you helping them? And God says, I did. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. So that... People will not suffer alone. They will have someone to hear them. They will have someone to look at them. They will have somebody to be present with them and pray with them if they want. Someone who is a tangible sign of hope that God is present with and for them. And so Christ sends us into the world. And he knows that we can't do it alone. He knows that we will need strength and perseverance and courage. And so he gives us this, the sacrament of Holy Communion knowing that every Christian is not sufficient in and of themselves, knowing that even together as the body of Christ, we will have fear. And this is his response. All that you have ever done, every sinful word, every sinful thought, every sinful thing you've done, and the sinful things that you have done by refusing to do the right thing, I will give you forgiveness. And not just once, but every single time you come to my table, I will serve you grace. And you will encounter what it means to be forgiven, loved, and free. And my call, my summons, is to serve this meal. Not to stand here and look at you and go, are you really sorry? Do you really believe? I have been liberated from judgment. Instead, I get to say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And I say this to you because Christ is calling you to go out into the world and to say to them, here I am to serve and to speak love and truth and to bless because I have been blessed and to give and to serve because God has given me everything. All of our chains are broken. We are no longer slaves to sin or death. So why would we allow others to remain imprisoned? Why would we let people suffer alone and in silence? Why wouldn't we 
go to those who are sick and serve and love them as we have been first served and loved. We are called to this because this is the means by which the world will be transformed. It is not smoke and mirrors. It is not fireworks in the sky. Instead, it is through acts of love and service that hearts are torn and God knits them back together in wholeness and love. Grace can do that, but grace doesn't come on white stallions of war. Instead, grace comes in the widow and the orphan and the Christian and those who seek not for their glory, but to honor God above. And if we will do that, if we will come and receive and go forth, then all of the things that we have feared being made known about us will be wiped away. Christ has forgiven you. Christ is strengthening you. And by the presence and the movement of the Holy Spirit, you are capable. You are able to do things that you do not think that you can do. Because one, you are not alone. And two, you are forgiven, loved, and free. May this truth, this gospel, not only be encountered here this day, but may it be your testimony all your days. For God will send to you those who need to hear that gospel in your voice, in your vessel. And because of that, they will turn and they will know that they too can be forgiven, loved, and freed. May it be so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.